This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. People don't take trips. Trips take people. John Steinbeck. But anyway, uh, so we, we finally got to the, the part of that section that they had no longer cleared the trail. So we're back into willows that I've never hiked in willows like that before. They were taller uh, than both of us. They're about eight eight feet tall and uh, like completely crisscrossed across the trail. So you're, you're pushing through. So it's a full body experience and it's raining, remember? So like <laughs> there's no dry. Uh, not even the option of being dry. So pushing through this and like getting the willow wrap to the face, etc. And we had kept like okay spirits um, until it started to snow. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, this week we're venturing back up to our neighbors in the north to talk to a Canadian thru-hiker with some great experiences and big aspirations. And you know what? She also lives and teaches in Jasper National Park. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod, Bridget Scott. How's it going, Bridget? 
Good, thank you. Am I pronouncing that correct, Bridget? Yep, that, that's good. Okay. Now, in all of your your uh, miles on the trail, have you picked up a trail name? Uh, so my friends call me Scrambles, which is uh, basically just my Instagram handle uh, shortened, um, which is Rocky Mountain Scrambler, because uh, that's what I like to do in the in the mountains is is uh, scramble up the peaks and such. And yeah, just slowly, uh, my my friends that I I hike with. Um, consistently and constantly just started calling me scrambles and that's just kind of stuck. So I don't know if that counts as a, a trail name, but that's what they call me. <laughs> hey, if it's not your name and your friends call you that and it sticks, then we're going to go with scrambles tonight. Awesome. Okay. And it, it has nothing to do with eggs. <laughs> no, no, no. All jokes have been made. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, do you listen to the podcast at all? I, I have, uh, I can't remember which one I, uh, started with, but I, uh, I've been enjoying them. I've just kind of gotten into listening to podcasts. It's, um, I guess prepping for these through hikes, et cetera. Um, there's a lot of good stuff out there. So that's how I found, um, you. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. I just want to make sure that you're aware of a regular segment we do at the end of the episode called the pro tip insight of the week. That's where I will turn to you and say, hey, Scrambles, what uh, what bit of trail wisdom can you share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better? So don't be surprised when we get there. And of course, I expect you to drop trail wisdom throughout the episode tonight, but uh, you will be on the hook for the, the one at the, the end of the episode with the pro tip. One so. That's right. Okay. So hey, let's go back a little bit. And I introduced you as living in Jasper National Park and teaching in Jasper National Park. So I, I'm intrigued right off the bat here. Tell me how, where, where do you live? How do you live in the National Park? And and how do you teach in the National Park? Is there a school there? Yeah. So we have a, a seven to 12 school. Um, we have about 200 students, I think. And um, yeah, National Park, Jasper, we have a, um, a pretty good tourist industry, obviously. And uh, so the school is really there because of the all the parents that come and work in the hospitality industry. We have a hospital. Um, uh, our population of Jasper fluctuates with the seasonal workers, but I think we're around like a 5,000 um, people and uh, it's pretty small. Uh, there's a, it's the first school that I've worked at that they don't have any buses because everyone just walks to school, uh, which is kind of awesome. And uh, yeah, we're kind of in the middle of the, um, in between two slightly bigger centers of uh, Valmont and, and Hinton. And yeah, it's pretty freaking awesome. <laughs> and what do you teach? Uh, I teach high school math and science right now. Yeah. Math and so, science. Uh, you, you are a, a you multiple subjects under your belt. Yeah, super geek. Yeah. Mostly grade uh, 10, well, grade nine, 10, 11, 12. Yeah. Okay. And so is it, is it a highly, is it a migrant uh, population in that, you know, you have people changing in and out because of, you know, they work in the park or, and they leave or is it a pretty stable population? I'd say it's pretty stable. I don't think that it's any more or less migrant than um, the other schools that I've, I've worked in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I imagine with 200 kids, you probably know, I mean, all of the kids, right. That's not, that's not a, that's not a big educational institution. No, it's not. Um, it, <laughs> it's not the smallest that I've worked at, but it's kind of a nice happy medium where um, it's uh, we don't have to do a lot of split grades. um, But we, yeah, I know my students and uh, it's really nice when I get to teach them from like grade eight or nine all the way through to 12. Um, It's pretty awesome. 
Now with 200 students, you probably have what, seven or eight teachers total? Yeah. Um, I think there's like a dozen of us with the support staff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so do you also have teachers that are teaching kind of two subjects with English and social studies, and then you have some electives teachers? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we've got a social, uh, English teacher, Mr. Brady, and then we've got, we are also a Francophone or sorry, a French immersion school. Um, so we've got those classes too. And, uh, yeah, we've got a, a two science teachers, um, and, uh, English teachers and phys ed teachers, actually our bio teacher also teaches phys ed and, uh, our chemistry physics teacher teaches shop. So, Everybody's right in there. <laughs> multi, multi-talented. Now, yeah. how do how do I get to uh, be the PE teacher in Jasper oh. National Park? I mean, how how awesome, how incredible would that be? What a sweet gig! Yeah, it's it's a pretty sweet gig. Um, I think that it's it's pretty coveted too. Yeah. <laughs> Last, we're going hiking today. Yeah, there we go. Let's go. We do. That's actually part of our school culture, which is awesome. Uh, every the fall, I uh, September like third week. Um, each grade class goes for a hike. Um, mm-hmm. so I usually go with the 11s or 12s each year and we, um, we just kind of cycle through, uh, like the grade nines will go to sulfur Hills, et cetera. Grade 12s go to bald Hills and, uh, it's awesome. So one of the Fridays we just all pile in, um, each grade their bus and head for head for the mountains, head for the mountains. Perfect. That's awesome. So I'm also in education. I was an English teacher, high school, English teacher, and then a high school assistant principal, high school principal. And now I'm at the district office and, you know, it's a great, great career, great profession. Um, just so rewarding to be, to be working with kids. I think the more you work with kids, the younger you stay. So yeah, definitely. good work. All right. Hey, another segment, I'm going to, I'm going to surprise you with this. You, you don't know anything okay. about this. So another segment we've been, been doing recently is current events. Okay. And so I, what I do is, you know, in the, in the hours leading up to the, to the interview, I scour the newspapers looking for some hiking, climbing current events. And I've got a good one for us today. Okay. So this is out of, this is off of uh, backpacker.com. And this is the story of an Arizona hiker that fell 700 feet to his death while taking a selfie and he's not the first. No, he's not the first. Unfortunately, that's uh, you know, it's a common occurrence these days of, of people trying to get the best picture, trying to, to get in the best position and slipping and, and falling. Yeah. That's oh, that sucks. What a way. Yeah. Any idea how many people fall victim to this? Like per year. Yeah. Worldwide. Worldwide. Death by selfie? selfie? Death by selfie. Uh, I want to go with like a solid dozen. It's a little bit higher. I didn't do the math here, but uh, there's a foundation that, that did some research into this, and they found that at least 379 people died from selfies between 2008 through 2021. Okay. Which roughly equates to one fatal accident, one fatal selfie every 12 and a half days. Oh, damn. Wow. Yeah. 379 doesn't sound like a whole lot over that time span, but then when you put it into that, you know, yeah. that frame of reference, 12, one, every 12 and a half days, that's, that's, that's way, that's way too many. Often. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now U S is the second leading nation during that time span with 39 death by selfie. Can you guess which, which country is the first? Um, I'm you'll go never, you'll, you'll never get it. You'll never get it. It's not China. No, not China. But you know what? That that is a good guess because you know high population, right? That's what I was going with. <laughs> you are you're you're on the right track. You're on the right track. It's not China. India. 
India. Exactly. <laughs> you must be an educator. Nice job. <laughs> I know things. <laughs> <laughs> you have a glass. I have a beer glass that says I, I, I drink and I know things. That's what I do. So nice. I think that's a line from game of Thrones. So yeah. I think so. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So when you're out there, I mean, don't, don't, don't risk it all by trying to get the perfect, the perfect selfie. You know, it's, mm-hmm better to be able to live and just describe it with your words than to, you know, die. And then have somebody look at the picture afterwards on your camera. Oh, that sucks. Not good. (laughs) No. Okay. All right. Hey, another segment we've been doing this season is the uh, must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, outdoor vitals. Here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike scrambles, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Scrambles, what is your must bring piece of gear out there? Okay, so it's definitely not ultra light and it wouldn't keep me warm, but I would have to bring my camera. Um, I would just feel lost with without my camera to take pictures. So I use a Nikon D5500, which is just kind of like middle of the line. Uh, with an 18 to 140 millimeter lens, but that's what I would, I'd be super bummed if I didn't have. Okay. How come you, how come you just don't go with your iPhone camera? So I did that one year, Mm -hmm. uh, 2014. I'm like, screw this heavy camera. I'm just bringing my iPhone. And, uh, it, it was nice. It was nice to not lug the camera around, but then uh, later going through the pictures, the, the quality is just, it's just not the same. Um, so there's a bunch of hikes that I want to redo so that I can take actual camera pictures of, to, to have. And so does the Nikon D 5,500, does it, does it really that big of a difference between, between an iPhone and its, its output? Yeah, it is. Like if you just look at it, if you just look at it on the iPhone, uh, it can, and of course the iPhone now takes uh, pretty good pictures. Um, the, the video I think is, is, um, has the leg up on, on the uh, photos, mm-hmm. but, uh, when you blow it up, like if you make it like, um, like I like to blow up pictures and hang them on my wall and, uh, can't quite do that with the iPhones. Yeah, Although those are, that, those are that, some striking pictures behind you. Thanks. Beautiful. That's one of my favorite ones. Um, actually, those are two. Um, so people are gonna have to watch this on the YouTube instead of that's the right. Podcast. <laughs> so this is uh, Devon Lakes up on Mount Willingdon. So uh, this was the last day of August. Uh, I just thought the the icicles were so awesome, and so we we had camped down there and climbed the mountain. And then this is Snake Indian Falls in Jasper here, um, which is a uh, um, uh, what is it? 30 kilometer, uh, 25 kilometer. Um, sorry, everything's going to be in kilometers. Um, uh, <laughs> bike ride. Uh, we've, we've hiked there and we've biked there. Um, neither were terribly enjoyable. However, the, the end result was spectacular. So now if I zoom in on that, it looks like there's, there's a few students there. Is that, is that your students <laughs> at the top of the waterfalls trying to take a selfie? <laughs> That's my husband. He's uh, all the little people in my um, in my pictures is uh, my my hiking partner. He's awesome. And he'll go stand in the weird places. He's very safe. He'll, uh, <laughs> I never make him do anything crazy. Tell him no selfies at the top of waterfalls, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. How much does how much does the Nikon weigh? How many how many pounds is this? Um, So two or three pounds, I think. Yeah. OK. <laughs> 
Now you, you said earlier, you are, it's not an ultralight item. Um, do you consider yourself to be an ultralight hiker? I would have to say no. Um, no, we're not like we've, we've kind of made steps to get lighter and lighter. Um, especially this summer with, uh, like the through hike that we did. Um, but maybe one day we'll get there, but my, my pack, I know you're going to ask this question, but, uh, my pack usually ranges from 25 to 40 pounds, depending on, um, what we're doing. Um, I thought you were going to go, I thought you were going to go kilos on me. Oh, no, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I don't think we're ultra light. No. Okay. I mean, there is, I mean, we've, we've talked to a few folks that have gone really ultra light, you know, six or seven pound base weight, but they are, they're, they're not, they're not built for comfort though in camp. See, and I don't know, like the Canadian Rockies, um, you need some of those comforts. Like we need like the bigger back or the bigger uh, sleeping bag. Um, mm-hmm. like I wouldn't go anywhere without my puffy. Um, those kinds of things I think are just inherently, it's going to weigh more. Um, but yeah. Right. Now what, what is a, a luxury item that you would bring out on the trail that maybe not everybody brings? So this summer, actually a couple of summers, but this summer, our favorite item um, that I think we were the only one that we ran into on the, uh, the Great Divide Trail, the GDT, was a tarp, an ultralight tarp. And uh, I, I definitely, I could feel some people being like, why do you have a tarp? Like, what? Um, but there was probably a good half dozen times that we had to hunker under that tarp because a hailstorm or a thunderstorm or a snowstorm uh, blew over and man, was it nice to have in those, in those scenarios. And it was a uh, hyperlight was the brand. And, uh, I really enjoyed it. Did you carry the tarp in addition to your tent? This is yeah. like an extra. Yeah. Got and it, it. it's super, I can't remember how light it is, but it's, it's like, sorry, what? Three quarters of a pound. <laughs> Three quarters of a pound. We, we got some off-camera help here yeah. <laughs> from her hiking partner, uh, Mark. Does Mark have a, a trail name? Uh, kind of. Not really. Nothing really is stuck. Uh, something like half a- Eggs? Eggs? Scrambles eggs, and yeah. eggs? <laughs> Bacon. <laughs> Bacon. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you said half pipe? Yeah. Um, he, uh, a couple of years ago, he, he, he uh, has had Crohn's for most of his life, and he ended up having a um, emergency surgery and had his, uh, colon removed. And, uh, so we had to, we hiked that year. Uh, he hiked with a colostomy bag and we did 375 miles that summer, um, which we thought was pretty awesome. So, uh, so yeah, I call him semicolon. We also, we took our masters together in education and semicolons are prevalent in all the, uh, paper writing, et cetera. So it just kind of, wow. We just shared a lot of information right there. I'm not sure if I, if I, if I need to have you sign a HIPAA form or, or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, semicolon, I, I don't see you there, but uh, welcome to the show as well. Jesus All right. Thanks. Hey, I've got a uh, another segment we do called the hiking pole. And pole is spelled P-O-L-L, not P-O-L-E. I think it's very clever. I explain it all the time. Every time I introduce this, I explain it. And and, and there's never any reaction to the get from the guest. So uh, my, 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 uh, occasional co-host chopper, he gets a real kick out of that, that I'd love to explain this and, and point out how clever I am. And there's never any reaction. So I don't, I don't expect you to react. I'm just, I'm just explaining it for our audience. So they just live through that joy. Okay. Uh, this hiking poll will help me determine where you fall on the crazy scale from one to a hundred, uh, 100 being completely sane, rational, 
uh, normal person and one being, you know, absolutely bonkers. So here we go. Six questions. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Trekking poles or no trekking poles? Definitely trekking poles. I can't imagine. I have uh, wonky knees and uh, the number of times that I would have face planted if I hadn't had poles uh, probably counts into the hundreds, I'm sure. That may be an exaggeration, but yes, trekking poles. Wonky knees is also a nice trail name. Just, you know, in case scrambles doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah, I like okay. it. Boots or trail runners? Uh, trail runners. Uh, I used to do the boots. Um, and then I... Wait, 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 uh, wait, 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 wait. Say boots again. I was going to say, damn it, I said boots. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt about it. But uh, <laughs> I... Related to the wonky knees, I've had a couple of knee surgeries, um, ACL, meniscus, all that fun stuff. And uh, I tried to go back to wearing boots and uh, they just, uh, they bugged my knees. I think they were just, just heavy enough that um, they just, it, I just was in pain all the time. So I switched over to trail runners and uh, the knee pain uh, subsided. And so, yeah, I've uh, stuck with trail runners ever since. Okay. Do you have a favorite brand of trail runners? Uh, I really like the ultras. Um, I have a wide, a wide foot and uh, they seem to do it. Uh, I've tried some of the other ones. The Solomons and Hoka's are just too, too tight on my foot and the ultras just make my feet happy. Yeah. Yes. Ultras are a, a, a popular choice. I've got, I've got, a, I've got a pair. They are fantastic. I did run into to one of our guests. I'm trying to remember who it was who was very specific and said that he had a narrow foot and he preferred a narrow toe box, which was, you know, just kind of struck me as funny, but uh, I forget which, which guess that was, but yeah, ultras popular choice. Okay. Tent tarp or hammock. Tent. Definitely. Um, Once again, I don't know, this may be the Canadian, uh, but the number of bugs and just the weather. um, I, I like me a tent. Yep. Mm-hmm. So the bugs, the bugs exist up in Canada as well. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Which, which are the worst bugs in Canada? It's really a toss up between the mosquitoes and the black flies. Um, I can't say one or the other. They're both equally horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Those, those little flies that fly in front of your face and turn, try to get in your eyes. Oh, those are, those are miserable as you're hiking. I, of course yeah. I tell, I tell my wife that when we're, we're hiking, you, you just take a deep breath. They all go away. So just inhale, yeah. inhale. Get some protein too. That's yeah. right. That's right. And what, what, what brand of tent do you use? Uh, well, we had a big Agnes, uh, tiger wall. Um, and then it's, uh, the zippers kind of started going. So then halfway through our through hike this last summer, we switched over to a, um, Nemo, I don't remember. He was trying to feed me. Just say it. Dagger. Dagger. He was like going like this. Dagger. Yeah. Nemo dagger. And uh, the- For our listeners out there, she just imitated, you know, <laughs> stabbing somebody, stabbing motion. So it's like charades. It's charades <laughs> and a podcast all in one. Uh, you're missing out if you're not watching the YouTube. So yeah, tune in. Gotta watch the YouTube, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like two words. No, one word, two syllables. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> But, but yeah, and then we've actually just ordered a new one, uh, Z-Packs. Um, I don't know. It's a Z-Pack. It, triplex. A triplex. There we go. We like the three people, the three people tent, the three person tent. Um, 
I'm I'm only five foot four, but Mark is six foot one. So just that extra room um, is just nice, especially when you're spending uh, that many nights uh, in a tent together. <laughs> and for my non-Canadian listeners out there, let me just translate <laughs> Z packs. That that is Z packs. Oh, Z packs. <laughs> Yes, this is this is good. I like this. This is, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah, we we have some friends who are Canadian, and I just I love listening to them talk. I love their sayings. Uh, they, you know, well, we haven't even started talking about toques yet. <laughs> toques, toques. What what are toques? I haven't heard. I haven't heard of toques. No. So wait, you guys call them warm hats? Okay, warm I heard hats. Some Americans say it was a warm hat. Look at beanies. Beanies. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like with the fun little thing on top. Yeah. The ball, the ball on top. Yeah. yeah. Those are toques. Those are toques. And where, where, where does that term come from? So I'm pretty sure it's like Quebec, like a French, uh, thing. Oh. I remember one time somebody telling me that now somebody in Quebec, are they Quebecian? What, what, I mean, what is, what is the, Quebecois. Uh, the term? Quebecois. Quebecois. Yeah. Okay. So blame it on the Quebecois. <laughs> is, is that the plural is that an s there's already an s there it's, it's silent right so i don't i don't know yeah we're gonna we'll go, go with yes okay <laughs> when in doubt blame the french canadians okay <laughs> got it are you from quebec no, no. i'm originally sorry i shouldn't have been so <laughs> that, was, that, that was that was that was that was emphatic right there yeah no i am not quebec, gonna listen to this and be like excuse me <laughs> no uh, I'm from Saskatchewan originally, um, Prairie Girl. Um, so yeah, so living in the mountains is even that much cooler. Because Saskatchewan, that that sounds. I mean, just to a, just to a you know a boy from from Southern California, an American mm-hmm. who hears Saskatchewan, that sounds very rustic, very very woodsy, very you know remote. Is is that is that uh, an accurate? Is that is that just a a, a stereotype? Maybe a stereotype. We, I mean, remote would probably, um, like compared to the bigger centers. So Saskatchewan only really has a couple of big centers. Uh, it's very flat. It's, uh, it's got hills too. The Saskatchewanians will kill me if I just say it's flat. Saskatchewanians? Yeah. <laughs> Saskatchewanians. Saskatchewans. Um, the, yeah, wheat fields, prairies, um, all that stuff. And then north of uh, like the north half of the province is um, uh, the shield. Um, so there's tons of lakes and uh, rock and all that. But OK, so, so it sounds like of- most of it, most of it is like the Kansas and Nebraska. Yeah, I think so. Type area. OK, yeah, a lot of wheat, a lot, a lot of wheat. OK, <laughs> uh, where were we in the hiking pole here? We took a we took a wrong I'm turn here sorry. somewhere. That's all right. It's good. We're talking about shoes. Oh no, uh, tents. Tent, tarp, or hammock. Said tent. We went with dagger, charades, and then further off into the weeds. Okay, yeah. uh, sleeping bag or quilt? Um, so I've always had a sleeping bag. I really like uh, the mummy because um, it's just so nice and cozy. But I uh, lately I've just been sleeping. I've been so hot. So I think this year we're going to check out some quilts. Um, and just to save the, like my sleeping bag, I think is almost three pounds. Um, it's so lovely, but, um, it'd be nice to go a little bit lighter there, especially if I'm sleeping hot. So a lot of choices out there for quilts, but if I may suggest our sponsor, uh, outdoor vitals, they make a great, uh, series of, of quitals that are just fantastic. Okay. So, okay. I'll check it check out. Them out. Check them out. 
All right. This question is very important. Scramble. Scrambles? Scramble. Scramble. With an Plural. S? Plural. Yeah. Like there's two of you. Okay. Yes. <laughs> this question is very important. Scrambles. Uh, this really helps me sort out the crazy from the same people. Okay. So stove, cold soak, or stoveless? Uh, stove, hands down. I've okay. watched videos on the cold soaking and it just, that blows my mind. Um, stove always. I, I need a hot coffee in the morning and I need a, a hot meal uh, for supper. Yeah. The, the cold soak people, I mean, they are, they are adamant. They, they will try and convince you that is the best way to go. I mean, they'll, yeah. they'll sell you on all kinds of different features. You know, you just, you get it set up and, and you put it in your backpack and you, you hike. And then when you get to camp, you, you're ready to eat. I mean, there's no, no boiling water, no, you know, setting up or anything. You're just good to go, but it's cold. It's cold. Exactly. It's cold. Yeah. I tried. I really tried. I, I gave it a shot. Uh, one of my guests, um, backcountry foodie, she gave me a, a subscription to her website with all kinds of recipes, backcountry recipes for stove and stoveless. And I, I gave it a shot. I, I, three days, I couldn't do it. Three days yeah. in, I said, I got, I need a stove. Good for you. You tried. Yeah. I, I tried. Okay. That's okay. good. Now I don't have to try because <laughs> I don't want to. That's right. Yeah. Don't give in. Don't give into the pressure from the, yeah. the uh, cold soak people. Okay. Okay. All right. Last question. Long trails should be hiked northbound, southbound, or flip-flop? So I don't really feel strongly about this either way. I, I feel like it's just kind of depends on um, the scenario. Like for example, the, the GDT that we plan to do this summer, uh, living in Jasper, I wanted to hike home both times. So we went from the border up to Jasper and then got a ride and then hiked back home. Cause I, I wanted to just hike home. That was the thing. Mm -hmm. And then um, we're looking to do the PCT this year. And uh, I, we were going to go Novo, um, but we would asking for April to June off and then probably part of September didn't seem like an easy sell to the school division so we figured by going Sobo and then we would just have to ask for September, October, November would be an easier sell. And uh, so that's kind of what controlled that. So, okay. Yeah. So my answer is I don't have an answer. You don't have an answer on that. Okay. <laughs> what, what are the advantages? I've heard this before. What are the advantages of hiking home? I know there's, you know, I've, I've talked to people who live in Georgia. And so they, they, did, the, they did a southbound AT hike because they were just hiking home. What, what is the attraction there? So like, maybe just like mentally just be like, ah, I'm hiking home. Uh, and it was just, it was really cool when we, uh, like we, we had hiked a lot of the great divide trail, just like in pieces here and there. Um, but there was, there was a few sections that were kind of brand new to us, but when we got to, like, we came up and over a pass and we recognized some of the mountains, it was just a really cool moment of like, ah, oh, like we're in our, our home territory now. And uh, hiking home. I don't know. It's cool. But yeah. I think it's a, it's a really, it's a mental strategy, right? I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm going over there. I'm going home. I'm hiking yeah. home. It's yeah. not like you're, you're hiking 2,600 miles away from, from where you, you are and then have to, to travel all the way back. You, exactly. you do that traveling at the, at the beginning part, and then you're just, you're just heading home. And so I think that uh, that mental trick is helpful for some people. Yeah. And we, we walked right up to our, our uh, front door both times. Like, coming oh, in wow. Town. 
yeah, it was, it was awesome. That's cool. Now it brings me to a, maybe a follow-up question here. I, we'll, we'll include this in the hiking post this is a new question is, is a long through hike. Is it more of a mental challenge or is it more of a physical challenge? Um, see, I, <laughs> because of my wonky knees, um, part of me thinks like it's physical because you have to make sure that you're you know, not falling apart, but I think maybe for regular people that have good knees, um, probably mental, I, our, our, the GDT was only two months. So we didn't ever really like get to the point where we were mentally or physically like done. Um, I could, I could see like, like at the end, uh, like day 60, when we were hiking home, finally, um, I did kind of have the thought of like, well, yep, this is nice. I'm done. <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with mental. Sorry about the kind of went all round there, but that was a very circuitous, uh, <laughs> answer there. And you were so yeah. close to a perfect score for a through hiker on the, the hiking pole. <clears throat> you were so close to an 80, 80 is a perfect score for a through oh. hiker because we, we automatically deduct, deduct 20 points because you're a through hiker. I mean, that's a certain level of crazy right there. It's, right. it's part of the deduction. Sure. There. So I, I'm going to give you a 77. Solid, okay. solid 77. That's a, you know, C plus in the education. Okay. Okay. That does kind of hurt. <laughs> <laughs> the math teacher in me is just like, Oh, <laughs> I mean, a 77 out of 80, you could, you couldn't have scored higher oh, than 80. 80. Yeah. Because oh. I, I took 20 points off right, right at the top. Okay. You couldn't, you no. couldn't get higher than 80. I'm satisfied. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Very good. And speaking of school, what do you think this, how, how is the school going to respond when you ask for time off to hike the, the PCT? Because you, because you're, it's a school in, 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 in Jasper national park. Are they going to say, Oh yeah. Hiking. Yeah. It's automatic. We're going to say, yes, uh, we'll give you that time off. Uh, well, I'm really hoping that they're like, Hey, sounds cool. Um, we, we, we handed in our, uh, our letters of request two weeks ago and, uh, and thinking, you know, lots of time to find a replacement. Uh, my husband works, he's also a teacher in Hinton, which is 45 minute drive away, which is a bigger center. So I don't think it's going to be a problem for him to get a replacement. Uh, but me as a senior math teacher, uh, teaching pre-calculus and such might be a little bit more of a challenge. So I think as long as they can find somebody, I'm hoping, that's what I'm hoping, um, that they'll give us the, the three months off. Um, but yeah, so Hopefully their answer is yes. Yeah, pre-calc. That's how the PE teacher pre teach that. You'd be all right. <laughs> now, what, what does semicolon teach? Uh, so he he's a, a shop phys ed guy, but right now he's doing a science uh, seven and uh, math seven gig. Um, it's pretty sweet in Hinton. So yeah. Mm -hmm. And Hinton's still in Jasper? Uh, it's it's outside of the park. Oh, um, that's... In the, the foothills. That, that doesn't qualify for the sweet gig. It's not in the, it's not in the national park. I'm sorry, semicolon. But he, he does have like, it's gotta be the prettiest commute on the face of the planet going out of the park and then coming back into the park. So does he listen that. to, does he listen to the John freaking your pod uh, on his yeah. commute? Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he does actually. Yeah. He was listening to, um, oh, he was telling me, I can't remember which one it was, but yeah, he does. Nice. I'm going to have to, I'm going to give semicolon a, a shout out occasionally on, on different episodes just to make there sure he's go. still listening. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was the hiking pole. Let's back up a little bit before we get too far down the trail here. And let's, uh, let's hear about your background, where you grew up, 
what kinds of sports and hobbies you were involved in as a kid and how you got involved in the through hiking cult. Okay. So I mentioned us from Saskatchewan, uh, Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Moose Jaw. Moose Jaw. Moose Jaw. They have, they have minor league hockey team in Moose Jaw. Yeah, the Warriors. The Warriors. They used to be, I think they were affiliated with the LA Kings. Uh, Am I incorrect there? Because I I remember hearing about LA Kings players in, in, in the NHL that came from Moose Jaw. That could very well be. Yeah, they could have mm-hmm. been drafted out there. Yeah, we'll go with yeah. Sure. Okay, all right. If you say it with confidence, right? <laughs> yeah. You say it with confidence, people are going to yeah. believe it. As a teacher, <laughs> we, we, we learned that, right? Just to say, just to stay a day ahead of the kids. You'd be all right. Yeah. Say it with confidence. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'm uh, going uh, And uh, I, I played basketball and volleyball and uh, basketball. Um, eventually, I played basketball to, uh, competitively till my 20s until I blew out my knee and, uh, and then, yeah, I went to the university of Regina, um, and got my bachelor's and, uh, master's in education. University of where? Regina. Regina. Like queen Regina, but it's got it. It's it's pronounced Regina. Regina. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you played, you played professional basketball? Uh, no, just in, in high school, basketball and volleyball, and then, um, competitive women's basketball. Fastball, okay. slow pitch, or like fast oh, pitch. Oh, fast, fast pitch softball. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Fastball. Yeah. fastball. It's called fastball. Yeah, but can, that makes sense. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Canadians got it going on. That's great. Uh, what position in basketball did you play? Shortstop. Okay. I thought you said basketball. You said oh, fast, fastball. Yeah. It's not I, basketball. Yeah. No, I did play basketball. Okay. But just in high school, and then it was women's competitive fast ball. Okay. Now when you Sorry, say women's yeah. competitive fast ball, yeah. you're not talking about a parks and rec league. No, no. Like what, we what, is, what is, go ahead. Uh, we went to provincials, um, which I guess would be, we went to States. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know whatever the high level that would be uh, and, and competed with uh, the different, uh, we never did make it to nationals, but uh, yeah. Got it. So you were a shortstop, a lot of range. Um, you cover, cover a lot of ground out there at shortstop, a oh, uh, good yeah. defensive player. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah how'd you, how'd you blow out your knee? Uh, so I, the weirdest, like, it's not a good story, but I, I was just jumping for a, like a, a low, uh, a low liner and, as I jumped, I felt my knee like do this weird like separation thing. And I remember thinking like, that's not good. And then when I landed down on it, um, my, uh, my femur and my, uh, my shin, like they didn't line up on my, like around my patella and they slammed down on each other, which, uh, hurt like a, a, you know what? And, uh, I was, I was done. And I went, I went to the doctor and they just, they just said, oh yeah, you, you pulled your patellar tendon. I'm like, okay. Cause you know, I'm 20 and I'm like, sure. And so they're like six weeks rehab and you'll be right back at it. And, uh, six weeks. And I, I tried to go back and, uh, the very first I hit the ball and I was running to first and I stretched out to, to hit it. And my, my knee did the same thing. And I just like jammed it again. And so later I found out that, yeah, my ACL was gone and that I was like giving myself bone bruises. 
um, which I didn't even know was a thing, but uh, it's kind of a serious thing. And uh, so then eventually I just decided I didn't want to continue hurting myself and I would retire from. So you took, so you took up hiking. I did. That was, that's kind of the, it was, that happened. I think it was the year that I finished my uh, bachelor's degree. So I I got my first teaching job. Um, And so uh, fast fall would always start in about the end of April and go to September. And of course I would be teaching then just too busy. So when July and August rolled around, uh, I decided to just uh, head for the mountains and uh, yeah, really took up hiking. Fair to say you jumped right out of your ACL. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, That that's impressive. Yeah. (laughs) That's impressive. And I didn't even, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I didn't even know that that's what had happened until um, actually 2017. Um, I was skiing and I I came down and I hit a, a mogul hard, funny. It was this weird like weather where it was like the clouds were low and the lights all weird. Anyway, uh, I jammed it again and they, they took me down the mountain, super embarrassing. And when I went to the doctor, this time I went to a specialist and he said, oh yeah, you, you don't, you, you tore your ACL. And, uh, then when they got my MRI, they're like, this was not recent. You have not had an ACL for many years. And then evidently my, that was my left knee. And then they, they, they always, if anybody's ever had knee injuries, they're always like constantly comparing both knees. And, uh, the doctor kept comparing my knees and I was like, like, have you not had enough of my knees? And he called another guy in. And so they're doing this. I'm like, I must have really cool knees. And so they called a third guy in and he was like the top guy. And he's like, Oh, you've ruptured your ACL in your other knee. And I'm like, no, I haven't. (laughs) And he's like, I can almost guarantee you that, uh, this is like a, a complete tear of the ACL. I'm like, okay, but I have no idea, you know, when I've done that. And so they sent me for another MRI and yep, this one was ruptured too, like completely and had been so for years. So. Wow. So Scramb- I got wonky knees. <laughs> Scrambles. You, you've got a unique skill set. Yeah. You know, jump right out of your ACLs, you hike and you teach pre-calc. I mean, that, that is the complete package right there. So. The trifecta, yeah. yeah. All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to hear about some, some hiking stories with uh, scrambles and semicolons. Stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. The John Freakin' Muirpod is sponsored by Outdoor Vitals, the ultralight backpacking gear company whose mission is to improve the mental, physical, and emotional health of mankind by facilitating impactful outdoor experiences. Outdoor Vitals creates innovative technical products with confidence-inspiring education that empower outdoor ultralight adventurers. 
Their focus on performance enables you to live ultralight with gear you can actually be confident with. Whether you're looking for an ultralight sleep system, shelter, or pack, or if you're looking for top quality apparel for the trail, you can find it at Outdoor Vitals. Do yourself a favor. Live ultra light. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your pod- podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We're talking to Scrambles, who is calling in from Jasper National Park up in Canada. What's the temperature right there right now? Um, it's probably about minus 10 degrees Celsius. Hmm. Do you know what that is in Fahrenheit? Not too cold. Probably, like, probably 25. Yeah. 20, 20 sure. degrees. Okay, sure. Yeah. We'll go yeah. say, say with confidence. There you go. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. And I love, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that there are pretty, there, there are a lot of towns in America with unique names. Small towns. I mean, small town America, it, it exists. I mean, there's a lot of small towns out there. A lot of our listeners, I'm sure, come from small towns and I got nothing against small towns. Love small town living. But I'm just tickled by Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. <laughs> how, how big is Moose Jaw? Uh, Moose Jaw is about 30,000, um, 35,000. So they had, uh, we had uh, four high schools. Um, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> bigger than <laughs> bigger than Jasper. <laughs> what what is the what is the best thing to do? What is the most popular thing to do in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan? So either walk the Waccamaw River, that's uh, the hiking trails in Waccamaw, and uh, or go see the the tunnels under Main Street that were built by Al Capone. That's the. Wait a second, Al Capone. <laughs> Has yeah. connections to Moose Jaw? Yep. Yeah, cool. there's some cool. If you ever go, uh, sign up for the tours. They take you down underneath, and there's all the tunnels and where they used to hide the booze and all that. Who knew? I had no <laughs> idea that yeah. that Al Capone had connections to Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Yep. And I think we also need to know how you and Semicolon met. Uh, oh, both teachers. So did so, you meet uh, at a, a, a job site? Or in, yeah, in uh, college, training to be teachers. Uh, at job site, we we taught. We were we were friends and co- colleagues for the longest time, um, and then just eventually, um, one summer I um, he used to work in the summers. Crazy bastard. Um, and I'm like, no, like summers are for decompressing from you know the eight months or the ten months of being with all the teenagers. Love you, teenagers, but you know. 
Um, I know they need a break from us too, so it's fair. But uh, yeah, so I invited him on a couple of uh, hiking trips and uh, convinced him to come away from the dark side. And yeah. So you made the first move. You invited him on your your hiking trips. Yep. Nice. Bold that way. (laughs) Very bold. Okay. So let's, let's talk about your outdoor adventure, outdoor adventuring experience. And I understand it's been an, an evolution. I, I imagine you, you started off as day hikers, right? Yeah. And then and then kind of take us through that. I mean, how did, how did you go from, from day hiking to through hiking to, to beyond? Okay, well, so if I, if I go kind of back to ground zero, it would be uh, in, in grade 11, there was an outdoor ed trip, uh, or sorry, class, an outdoor ed class. We're, go, we're going back. Grade we're going 11. back, back, doc, yeah. So that's when, uh, I'm not commenting. That's not a comment on your age. It just struck me as funny as back in grade 11. Yeah. Grade 11. That's when uh, little Bridget started to love the mountains. Little scramble, Um, little scrambles. scrambles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They took us, uh, on a, uh, backpacking trip in Kananaskis, which is in Alberta. And I just remember thinking like, what, this is something that people can do. Uh, super cool. Um, and then didn't really like that's, that was the first kind of like little bloom uh, in my brain. And then it wasn't until, um, I, you know, finally had my first summer to myself that I didn't have to work a summer job to pay for student loans and such, uh, that yeah, started heading to, uh, where we, where we lived in Saskatchewan. Um, so if you liked Moose Jaw, uh, we had to go through, uh, we had to go through Big Beaver is a town in Southern Saskatchewan. Um, there's also just a, uh, I think it was West of there, uh, Climax, the port of climax you had to go through climax to get to montana so we would go through and then it was uh it was much quicker to actually go through and across montana to get to glacier national park than um to get to Banff. and back in the day when the dollar was good it was uh cost effective to to camp in in montana so that's where we really kind of um you know oh i'm like gapping out here where we uh, actually started our um, our hiking career, as you call it, and just did a bunch of like um, camping in the bigger center. So in, in Glacier National Park, which is amazing, um, there's a couple of big centers, um, Two Medicine, Mini Glacier, uh, West Glacier, Lake McDonald, that kind of thing. So we just kind of hunker down for a week and just do all the trails. And I bought all the books and all of the, the books, the hiking books. And started kind of checking off all the the day hikes, and uh, we would do some longer day hikes. And there, there's one there's one hike in in Glacier that goes uh, up and over the divide um, from Lake McDonald to um, to the east side. Um, I think it's almost it's twenty some miles. Um, and just as we we went up and over, and we went past some of these backcountry campgrounds, and we're like well, gee, it'd be nice to actually stop here uh, and kind of enjoy it as opposed to just having to like keep on going. So then we got into the backcountry camping and actually um, staying in the backcountry. And our first, our first backcountry experience was a, a complete failure. We had like normal sleeping bags, like, like the big sleeping bags that probably weighed eight pounds. We had, um, I think we had an external frame pack and, uh, we had like the, the big sleeping pads like that you'd get from Costco that were like, 
you know, two feet wide strapped on. And uh, we got, I think maybe, I don't know if we made a mile in and uh, we're like, this is stupid. <laughs> we are going to make like, so yeah, we bailed, we came back out and uh, just kind of did more day hiking stuff. And then bought some actual backcountry camping, not front country that we just walked into the backcountry um, camping and yeah. And then where, where did you get your backcountry gear? Was it, I mean, I'm not sure. Do they have REI in Canada? So, no. So we have, it's called Mech mountain equipment co-op, but it's okay. the closest thing to an REI. Uh-huh. Um, we, because we spent so much time in the States in the summers, we actually got most of our stuff in the, um, What's that store in Whitefish? Ski, the ski house. Ski house. Yeah, there's one in Kalispell too. Uh, we got a lot of our stuff there um, and just kind of dropped the money into the lighter tents and backpacks and all that. Uh, and then started backpacking our butts off. Yeah. Okay. Now, you, you mentioned a little bit about doing some some research into these trails, you know, ahead of time. Are you are you a big planner, big logistics person? I imagine as a, a science and math person, now I was an English teacher, and I, I still enjoy the the you know the research and the preparation that goes into a hike. I I enjoy that almost as much as I enjoy the hike. Just thinking about it and gearing up and planning and and doing all that kind of stuff. Are are you of a, a similar mind? Definitely, love the planning. It's, and so what kinds of resources do you use? Are you, are you spending a lot of time on YouTube? Are you going to websites? Do you buy books? How does, how does it look for you? Yes. To all those things. Uh, I probably prefer the books. I like having a book to, to read. Um, and then, uh, then kind of going to some websites and then finding the YouTube, mm-hmm. but yeah, I usually start with books. Okay. Now you start out as day hikers. You, you kind of dip your toe into backcountry type stuff and multi-day hikes. How does that evolve to doing something like the Great Divide Trail or even planning to do the, the PCT in the future? So uh, we, we, we usually in, in January each year. So since we've moved to Jasper, we've done more in, in our backyard, the Canadian Rockies. And Parks Canada opens up reservations for backcountry sites, usually in January. So that's usually when I'm sitting down and planning out what we're going to do for the summer. Uh, and last January, um, they postponed it because this fun pandemic we're in. They postponed the book until April. So I was kind of just sitting around and I was going through my, uh, I've got a couple of bookshelves with books and um, pulled out the Great Divide Trail book by Dustin Links and uh, just started thumbing through it. And we, we'd had the book for a couple of years and uh uh, section a, uh, through Waterton really kind of, um, interested me. We've done a ton of day hikes and scrambles actually in Waterton. And, uh, just as I went through that, I'm like, okay, well, this would be really cool. And you don't need, uh, that section. You don't need too many actual parks reservations, which is nice. Cause it's super competitive. Um, so yeah, so I, I really liked that section. And then, uh, I kept thumbing through and, uh, came across the section E, which goes through a lot of the, um, Jasper section E goes through and we've done a lot of it, but there was some, the, the beginning section that just sounded amazing. Uh, there's a spot called Michelle lakes that is, um, super beautiful. And so I'm like, oh, section E sounds really good. So I, I talked to, to Mark and I'm like, Hey, section A and section E. He's like, yeah, sounds good. 
And then I, I kept stepping through and I'm like, oh, section C sounds amazing. Um, and we had done a lot of that one too in, in Banff, but there was a lot of kind of connectors that would just, we've talked about before, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we connected these hikes? And uh, it just like, you know, you connected them. And then it just like pinged in my mind. I'm like, well, Bridget, why don't you just hike from Waterton home to Jasper? Because we we have eight weeks off. Um, this is something that we we can do. And so I, I posed it to to Mark Semicolon. And he can't, I remember him kind of like laughing, like, yeah. And uh, I remember thinking like, I don't know if he knows I'm serious. And then, uh, but I just kind of went back to researching and all that. And then the next day I brought it up again and I'm like, hey, like, I was kind of serious. Like, let's do this. I remember just kind of looked at, he looked at me and I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, sure. So, uh, so that was the, the first, uh, kind of version draft of the plan was to go from Waterton home to Jasper. And so I started making my spreadsheet and putting all the numbers in and, and figuring out days. And I realized that we would get to Jasper about halfway through August. So I was like, oh, okay, we'll have two weeks left. We can like hang out at home and, you know, bag a couple of peaks, et cetera. But then I kept flipping in the book and there was the North sections, sections F and G and started kind of crunching the numbers. I'm like, well, shoot, we could, we'd have enough time to do that. And then we'd kind of invest all this time. We're like, well, if we're going to do the GDT, let's do the GDT. And so then, yeah, we decided to do the whole, the whole trail after that. I've heard that, I've the, heard that the, the the GDT, the GD and GDT that also stands for something else besides Great Divide Trail. Heard. Yes. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> you said it. Hey, uh, we covered a lot of ground right there. There's a lot to unpack. Uh, first thing I want to say is that, you know, in my experience, when I tell my spouse something and they're not, she's not sure if I'm, if I'm joking or not, but she, she said, she says, yes, I stop asking. I mean, I, I got the answer I wanted. Once you get the answer you want, you, you go with it. <laughs> you are on solid ground. You can always go back and say, Hey, I told you about it. You said yes. And so I planned So, suggestion there. Yeah. Okay. Cindy Colin doesn't take it serious, but she says, yes. I mean, you've got the yes answer. Just go with yeah. it. <laughs> um, also, I want to talk about the reservation system in Canada. Because I was talking to Maddie St. Arnaud uh, up in, um, oh, I forget which province, uh, a few weeks ago. And he, was, he said, you know, I think our, our reservation system is crazier than, than the U.S.'s. And I said, That's, that can't be possible. He went on to describe everything he had to do to hike the Great Divide Trail. And I said, yeah, you guys win. That is, that is a crazy reservation system. Do you get you to book individual campsites? throughout yeah. the trail or different sections. Yeah. Like you can, you can put through some of it in sections and like, there's um, like, there's one section that's particularly annoying because it should let you hook them up. There's, if anybody's done the GDT, they know uh, it's called about a ball pass um, down and up to flow Lake for whatever reason. And like they've, I know the GDT association has, I think they've talked to parks Canada about it, but in their computer program, it won't let you link those up, even though they're only 20 kilometers apart, 12 miles or whatever. Um, so there's no reason why, but it, it always, it comes up with the like, oh, are you sh like, you can't do this. This is too hard, which like, it is quite a bit of elevation down and up, but like, shh, it's not bad. Um, so what you have to do is just book into the two sections, like book the one section um, from Assiniboine up. And then you book into, so it's called the rock wall, um, flow lake and North. And 
it's annoying for two reasons, because now you have to pay um, the $11 reservation fee twice for each one of them. And then also because there's how many thousands of people at the same time trying to book in time is of the essence. So you have to make sure that you get, and like, you have to set up the, like, this is the trailhead, like night one, night two, like make sure the number of like 10 sites and everything. And the date is right. And uh, it's crazy. I like, I literally sat down and practiced the night before to make sure that I could get it all in. And there's another, there's another section in the Jasper, um, the Jasper section where you have to, as you're doing it, you start in one trailhead and then in order for it to pick up, you have to then go back and toggle the trailhead and it gets, it gives you an error. This is why I practiced it. It gives you an error sign, but it lets you book it through to the skyline. So then you don't have to pay the extra $10. And I know it's only $10, but still it all adds up. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. uh, Scrambles. I I have to tell you, it's a good thing you teach pre-calc. Cause this sounds, this sounds like a total, a total nightmare. And I'm not yeah. sure, but that one, that one part where, where the system told you, I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can make that hike. That, that's too far. So I don't think that, I don't, I don't know if that is it, the system doesn't trust you or the system is so nice. Like Canadians are, they're so nice and thoughtful and caring about other people. It, the system just is, is built to say, are you sure? I'm not you sure that you can make that. I, I think maybe you should rethink that. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> but yeah, reservations, crazy. Sounds like a nightmare. And you were able and to book the whole GDT? I I was. Uh, and the other thing about, so last year, um, they postponed it till April. And usually they split up uh, Banff, Yoho, Kootenai. Those three national parks have their own date. And then Jasper separates. Um, and then I, there's, there's another one. But uh, for the Canadian ones that you need for... Um, the GDT, they separate them. But last year they decided to put them all on the same day, which, um, so April 16th, the great day of booking comes and, uh, we had computers open. We had friends with computers open. You're laughing. And, uh, we managed to get, so out of all our like dozen computers, one of them was within a 10 minute wait. (laughs) And uh, <laughs> you're distracting me because you're uh, sorry. I, this is this is I, I, I just have this pictured in my mind. This this calendar on your wall with the the date circled with in big red letters, the great day of booking. You right? got all, all your computers up and running, multiple, multiple <laughs> systems going. And uh, <laughs> one of them, one of them strikes strikes one gold. Yep. And uh, yeah, so uh, I, I was shaking as I was doing them and you have to like sign in. And uh, so I, was there six we had to book? Six different permits or maybe it was eight because then we had to actually phone some in too. There's some permits that aren't on the booking system. You actually have to phone and talk to somebody and convince them, yes, this is the route I want to take through this random, you know, remote piece of land. But uh yeah. So I, I booked them all in and, uh, I made a mark. I'm like, check my email. It was very stressful. And, uh, cause I, I didn't want to sign out until I saw the permits in my email. Cause we've done that before where it looks all good, but then you don't get the email that you had the permit. And so, so we got the, all the emails that, yep, you've got these permits. We managed to get everything that we wanted. Um, there's people out there that, don't think kindly of us because they had to pull some 
big miles because they they couldn't uh, get their itinerary. But the system uh, didn't tell them. I don't think you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, the uh, the practicing the night before I think was the the key. Like just like lightning fingers. So and I thought I, I thought I had a sense of what the the Canadian reservation system was when mm-hmm. I talked to to Maddie. Uh, I, I I didn't at that time. Now I do. The fact that you had to do some online and you had to talk to some people on the phone, that is ludicrous. That is crazy. That is craziness. Yeah. And and then that's national parks. There's even some in the provincial parks. So Kananaskis, that's a different booking system. And you have to wait. It's 90 days before you need to book. Um, So like Mount Assiniboine and um, the Kananaskis section, um, section C, um, that's a, that's a different process that you have to do too. So now does Justin Trudeau, does the, the prime minister have a hotline that, you know, Canadian citizens can call and, and have stuff like this fixed? <laughs> well, so, so we lucked out with this so within like, I don't know, eight minutes. I think I had everything and I signed out and I, I literally fell to the ground and had myself a, like a nice happy weep. And, uh, and then I, I went and I, I started texting. So I was texting everyone. I'm like, we got it. We got it. And, uh, I started getting these texts and messages from my friends about them getting like booted out. And, uh, they kept getting an error and the circle of death, um, saying like, you know, like, yep, you've got it. Yep. You've got it. No, you don't sucker. So, uh, all day, the, the system continually crashed. Um, so there was like, a, like, a, I think a national uproar on April 16th last year. Um, sure. There was phone calls and letters, unhappy letters. Uh, people were ticked off that they didn't, um, get their, their permits. It's stupid. Now, how many practice sessions did you have leading up to April 16th? So, uh, two for sure. And then I, I trained a couple of my friends. Cause, uh, cause it's just a random cue. Right. So I'm like, what are the chances? Thank goodness that, um, that I did get it, but I was fully prepared to not be one of the ones that had one of the good computers. And so I had, uh, friends in different places and I sat down with them and like showed them what to do. And they were so kind and so stressed out and just praying that they didn't get the one that was the, you know, the top. They were so, they, a, a lot of them, when I told them, I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, I can't remember. Was it like 800 in line or something? Oh, 146. There we go. There's the number guy uh, in line. And the other, like some of them were 17,000 in line. I think that was our highest one. We had a bunch in the 10,000s. Um, so yeah, so lucky. He scrambles on, on some of my episodes. I actually talk about hiking with people. But I'm having so much fun talking about the reservation system with you. This is fantastic. This is, this is mind boggling. (laughs) The fact that you had a nice happy weep at the end of, at the end of the the booking process. I mean, most people have their nice happy weep at the top of Katahdin or at the the Mexican border or the Canadian border, whichever way they're going. You had your nice happy weep after after you successfully booked the GDT. Yep. (laughs) Amazing. That was, that was the big, that was like the only like once, that was the hard part. Like, yeah, the, the hiking of it, that was easy peasy. So I know you're planning on doing the PCT when you, when you, you arrange for that trip, I think you just have to book a start date, right? Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and it's free. Like what, what, how are we not doing this? Right. But uh, yeah, like we just had, and there, there's the two booking dates, the one in November for all the northbounds. And then 
we had, we had thought about it in November, like we should do this. And then we're just like, we're never going to get those weird months off work. And I know that you can finish it before September, but I just didn't like the possibility. Like there's too many variables over 4,300 kilometers to be like, yes, I will be back to work September 1st. So we kind of were like, ah, maybe not, maybe another time. And then had like immediate regret that we, that we decided not to. So started doing research and, and figuring out that, okay, like if we go southbound, um, it kind of opens it up for us as teachers to, you know, slightly more convincing sell to our, our board uh, to let us go. Um, but yeah, so then the next booking was January 11th, I think. And uh, yeah, there's 15 permits for southbound that get released each day. And so same thing, had all the computers, actually less computers. I just had, I don't know, wait, sorry. I'm just Did you have the date circled on your calendar and uh, you had some practice runs ahead of time? Yep. Yes. And uh, yeah, uh, out of all the computers, luckily it, it worked out. Uh, I think that it was a, it was like right before lunch hour. So I was at school with my laptop set up and actually our friend, um, Sean, he's doing the PCT. We met him on the GDT and uh, he had his uh, northbound permit. So he was like, Ooh, I'll help you out because I've been through the process. And he got the, he got two browsers that, cause of course you have to book each permit which I guess, I guess that's a positive thing about the Canada parks booking system is that you can book, like, you just have to say that two people, one tent site, and then it's uh, $10, or I think it's like maybe 10 or $11 per person. Does the system, does the system ask you, are you, are you really staying together? (laughs) Do the two of you know each other? Yeah. Are you sure? You need a safe word. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, so Sean actually hooked us up with the two, which uh, super freaking grateful for that. But yeah, uh, but in comparison, uh, much much less painful uh, process. Did you have a nice happy weep at the end of, of um, booking your a PCT? little bit? I was I was sitting in because it was lunchtime, so I was sitting at my computer and I was like laughing and kind of like <laughs> at the same time weeping because I was just so excited. So yeah, it was a it was a more giddy this, this time round. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Got it. Okay. So you, you've been to Glacier, you've done the great divide trail. You've, you've uh, been winning the wind river range. Yeah. Um, we have to hear a hiking story to, from the, any one of those experiences, get, pick, pick something fun, entertaining, scary, uh oh moment, whatever you, whatever you decided to, to share with us and, and tell us a story. Okay. Um, oh, that's a lot. Uh, probably go with our uh oh man so many um the gdt the snowing probably i don't know okay i'll go with this one because it's kind of uh it's like fun to look back on it's one of those memories we're like yeah i didn't die is semicolon so, doing charades in the background there is well he's he just kind of going like hmm, what are you gonna pick <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh yeah. So we're in section, I think this was section G still. Um, yeah. The crossover from section G to F is um, uh, subtle. Uh, there's no real like resupply at that section anyway. So super remote. Uh, we're talking lots of root finding, lots of um, hiking through willows and um, friggin' willows. 
I've never had to hike through so many willows and so much bog. I didn't know that that kind of like suckage could actually happen, but it did. Um, but I'm sure I'm better for it. Uh, at least I'll say I am. So we were hiking a section that we were going, we were supposed to take this high route because uh, it sounded amazing, especially uh, compared to the alternate of the um, soul-sucking Jack Pine River, um, which is the, the actual Great Divide route. Um, but it just didn't sound like a good time. Uh, all the reports were talking about like multiple river crossings and all the bog and um, copious amounts of willows, et cetera. And so this Perseverance High Route sounded right up our alley. So we, that's what we had, we had booked in. And uh, at the time we were actually hiking with um, uh, uh, someone we met on trail who ended up being, is now a very good friend of ours. Nicole Trash Panda is her uh, trail name. She's also done the PCT. And uh, so we were hiking with Nicole and uh, we, we woke up at the campsite that um, was the day that we were gonna transition up to the high route. And uh, when we went to bed that night, we had put, there's a, a river crossing immediately after um, and we had put rocks down, uh, as a marker and we're like, we'll see how far down the river goes in the morning. Um, and then in the morning we go out there and we're like, where's the rocks? And the river had risen overnight because of all the precipitation. And so you could see up on the mountains and there's all this fresh snow on the mountains. This was about, um, August 20th, I think. Uh, and it's not uncommon of course, for it to, to snow in, in the mountains, um, in August or even July, we've had snow then too. Um, you just don't want it to be when you're about to go up, you know, a couple thousand meters into the Alpine uh, on some scrambly sections. So we decided that it, oh, and we, we had the like Garmin, uh, the inReach. So we, we, each of us checked our, the weather report and it was supposed to precipitate all day, um, copious amounts too. So we're like, well, okay that pretty much nails, you know, the coffin shut there. We're taking the low route. We have to, we, we shouldn't go up high when, when there's all these kind of warning uh, bells going off. So uh, committed to this and uh, crossed the river. The river was, um, I had to hike my pack right up. Um, it came up to um, my waist and uh, what was that river called? Pauline. Pauline Creek. She was deep anyway. And so, uh, started the, the hike up to, uh, the crest, which had about a, a 60 second good view before the clouds came back in again. And, uh, it was actually on that day. So we had flip-flopped. So, um, we kept meeting, uh, fellow like Northbounders that we had, we had met, uh, come across in our first sections. So it was kind of cool. Cause we got to like, you know, like high five everyone on like, Hey, you're almost there. Um, so that was cool. We saw a bunch of people that day. And, uh, so down to the river instead of going back up and, uh, it started to rain heavier at around, I don't know, 11 o'clock and we just kept going. And, uh, the, uh, great divide trail association, um, lovely volunteer people, uh, they had actually just come in recently and cut down all the willows. So there's this like willow carnage that's just very satisfactory after like all the willow bashing that we had done in the Northern section. So uh, that was lovely until about, I don't know, three o'clock time was kind of like a big old weird thing that day, just cause it, it just rained all day. 
And we were kind of bummed out because we had to take the, the lower section. Some people really like the jack pine, um, or at least they say they do. I think it's the whole cold soak. Like, I think they've just convinced themselves that they like it. But anyway, uh, so we, we finally got to the, the part of that section that they had no longer cleared the trail. So we're back into willows that I've never hiked in willows like that before. They were taller uh, than both of us. They're about eight, eight feet tall and uh, like completely crisscrossed across the trail. So you're, you're pushing through. So it's a full body experience and it's raining, remember? So like <laughs> there's no dry, uh, not even the option of being dry. So pushing through this and like getting the willow wrapped to the face, et cetera. And we had kept like, okay spirits um, until it started to snow because of course we're soaking wet and now it's snowing. And that was around like six o'clock in the evening, I think. And so we're like, okay, just keep moving and we'll be okay. And uh, we were all wearing our rain gear and gloves, uh, not that it mattered, but um, because of course everything was wet. But anyway, so the entire, um, as we had come down to the river, that entire section of trail, um, we were following beside it. And there was one, there was one campsite about at the halfway mark uh, we're like willows, willow, willows. And then there was this an opening and you could see where people had put their tent. And we're like, Oh, this is the, this is the tent site. Cool. Uh, but we still had like, uh, like over a half day to, to travel. So, uh, we're through the wills, through the wills. It's, it's snowing on us. Um, we're following the river and all of a sudden we, we had to, we literally jumped or well, Nicole and Mark jumped. I found a, a log to go across cause these knees don't jump. And, uh, that was the mistake. We should not have crossed that little um, ravine that was like super deep, but it just, it seemed like this little, it was just really like a deer trail that we were following, like a game trail. Um, and we had like, you, we used the, the far out app. And so we were, but you know, when it's raining and you're trying to like negotiate on your phone and that's annoying. So we had kind of used that sparsely. Anyway, we, all of a sudden we realized that the river's coming back on itself and we're like, what the, what? So we, we get the, <laughs> the app out and we have hiked into, uh, like an elbow of the river. And so we have to either, well, we have to backtrack is what we have to do. And so none of us are impressed, um, at this point, um, cause we're just frozen. Um, <laughs> My, my hands were so cold. I'm like, Hey, Nicole, can you close this on my bag? And she's like, okay. And I look at her hands and they're like purple. I'm like, Oh my God, like, never mind. Uh, and so we, we, we cut across, uh, so back to loop to find, um, the trail that didn't exist. Um, and we were at this point, half a kilometer, a kilometer from the camp that we were supposed to be at. Um, it was a horse camp. We knew that we could have a fire with like, like just get to camp. Uh, anyways, we looped around and we had to try to find back because we didn't want to cross the river if we could avoid it because we didn't, I mean, at that point, like how wet more could we have gotten, but, um, yeah, and we actually came across all, we just like screech on the brakes and there's this other, there's this little clearing where it was big enough that you could actually put a couple of tents down and we all kind of pause and obviously all thinking the same thing of like, oh damn, like (laughs) we could camp here. Um, but we're like, no, like we're so close. Like we, we want to have a fire and, uh, you know, uh, not camp on like the hummocky ground, et cetera. So we're like, let's, let's push on. So 
for some reason, um, and there's many signs of, are you thinking clearly like Parks Canada should have come on and been like, are you sure you want to do that? Because uh, we might not have. But uh, so Mark gave me his his phone, uh, which had been glitching out. So I'm not sure why that decision was made by us, but whatever. So I have his phone and Nicole's leading us out of this uh, devil's loop. Uh, and so I'm watching, I'm watching. And all of a sudden on the phone, I'm like, I'm watching and I'm like, oh, like we need to go this way. And I remember Nicole saying, like, are you sure? I'm like, well, that's what the, that's what the phone says, and, you know, technology. <laughs> so we we go, uh, and I don't even remember the point where, I don't even remember, but all of a sudden, I do remember, um, yelling at the top of my lungs a very powerful curse word into the, into the air. Because I realized, I had looked down, I'm like, oh, yeah, we're doing good, guys. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the little marker goes, bloop. And we're back in the freaking elbow. And, and I, I, I had looked up and they were realizing this, like, wait a tick, like this looks familiar. And uh, yeah, so we had, we had worked our freaking way back to the same spot that we were at. Um, and cause there's, there's no trail, like there's no way to figure out. So we're like, oh my goodness. And uh, I felt like an ass cause I'm like, I'm like the idiot. Like, yeah, we're going the right way guys. Anyway, so we loop back around we kind of didn't, I think we were just all mad. And so, and not verbose. And, uh, we get back to this empty little tiny plot of land again. And at that point, it doesn't look so bad at this point. It looked pretty freaking good. And my, my breathing, I've never experienced, uh, the beginning, uh, symptoms of hypothermia. Uh, but I was there, I was like, I think we should stop here. And uh, Nicole's hands, Mark's hands were like useless. So we're all like, like opening up our bags, like, you know, and uh, so we put our tents up as fast as possible and uh, got in stripped out of our wet clothes and, uh, and stayed there for the night. And uh, every couple, I don't know, 45 minutes or an hour and a half or so, we had to push the snow off our, our tents because it kept collapsing in. And we, we joked about in the morning, that's how we knew each other was alive because we would hear Nicole like thump, 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 thump. And we're like, oh, it's time. <laughs> thump, 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 thump. And uh, so none of us got a very good sleep that night, to say the least. And uh, I think Nicole's bag was wet. Mark's bag was wet. Mine was dry. I was comfy. But uh, but yeah, it was an interesting night. And we woke up and uh, there was about, I don't know, four inches of snow um, had accumulated on the ground. Uh, which was disheartening and it was still snowing. So we uh, just like talking through our tents decided that we would just stay. There's no point in hacking all our wet gear up our wet and cold gear up to push for the, we, we talked about, well, maybe we should go to the horse camp and have a fire and like, well, but then we're just going to be more miserable. So, so we hung out in our tents for the day. The, the good <sighs> not good thing. The, um, <laughs> the least, the least bad thing, the least bad thing about ditching on the high route. I mean, also like, I'm sure that would have been, we would have had to press the SOS button, I think up there. Cause if we were getting this much snow down here, yeah, like, that'd have been, that'd there been was serious. not, uh, you know, an improvement. And, uh, but because we had planned to go the high route, we had an extra day built in. So we, we took a zero day 
on, uh, we called it Winter Island, uh, took a zero day on Winter Island. And uh, we, we don't, like in the Rockies, you don't eat in your tent. You don't cook food in your tent because, uh, you know, there's grizzly bears and, and other things. And yeah, we, uh, we had how many coffees that day? Um, we played cards in our tent, um, laughed at our, um, so our situation. So scrambles, I have to, I have to apologize to uh, maybe our listeners out there who are tuning in for the first time and are considering doing through hiking. Cause you're not doing a real, a real good cell job here. I mean, this, this does not sound like a lot of fun. This is what's known as type two fun. This is yeah, definitely, definitely. definitely type two fun. You're not having fun while it's happening, but you, you have fun talking about it afterwards because like, yeah, I, I survived this. Exactly. And I just have to point out so the, the many different funny phrases that you just, you just shared with us, you know, <laughs> willow, willow carnage, uh, the, yeah. the willow whap to the face, uh, soul sucking Jack pine river. Is it river route? Soul sucking. I, I, I get that. I get that. My favorite though, is what the, what, you know, I want to, I want to say at the end of the story, what the, what, I mean, what, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. There's lots of what the, what's that, that section, Mm -hmm. but yeah, but, uh, we, we survived. So, uh, you know, type two fun is usually survivable. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it finally stopped snowing at about 1.30. And because like, we'd look out and we're like, oh, okay, I think it's raining now. And we're like, is that better? Um, uh, and then finally, at, at yeah, like 1.30, 2.30, it, uh, it actually stopped. And there was a moment where the sun came out. And it was this glorious moment. And we got out of our tents and we're all wearing like our pajama jams. And we're just like, we're dancing and, and you know, rejoicing. <laughs> And looking like, I'm sure, crazy people. And so we set out strings and uh, dried our stuff like 10%. Uh, and uh, yeah. That's the, the added event. That's the added bonus of, of camping in snow or rain is the extra five to seven pounds you get to carry in water the next day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, so then, yeah, we, we, uh, we kind of, it was nice to be outside of the tents since we had been there for, you know, a good 16 or 18 hours. Um, and yeah, we went and we filtered water and there was actually a really nice beach. Um, I mean, it wasn't nice when we got there the first two times, uh, cause it meant we were lost, not lost. I don't like to use that word. You're just covering uh, your ground was, again. Yeah. Misplaced. Yeah. Uh, and so, so that we, uh, we found some, uh, some, some dead wood and had a nice fire there. And, uh, I don't, we didn't think we're like, we're pretty sure we're not supposed to have a fire here, but like, <laughs> come and get us like really come and get us but uh so yeah (laughs) please please come and get us yeah please come and get us yeah bring beer but uh yeah we had a fun little it it ended we made we made it a fun time um and uh we can laugh about it now there were like throughout the night we're like ah crap are we gonna have to like like you never want to be the one that has to push the sos button right like it's there you've got it just in case but nobody wants to push it so we were just like, oh man. So we were really happy that we we didn't have to push the SOS button and that we all lived and we dried out our stuff pretty good with our little tiny campsite fire. And uh yeah, it was uh it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. You know what I'm wondering is is you're there, you're knocking the snow off the top of your tent. At some point, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 
I mean, does nature call? I mean, that, that I mean, that, that's just gotta be terrible in, in, in either rain or snow to, to have to, oh man, bladder. Can't you, can't you cough right just once and let me sleep right. through the night? You never find out how, how full you can fill that thing until you're in a tent and it's snowing outside. Yeah. That was, that was horrible. And of course, so yeah, we had, we had like, like, Nicole had the trees, like, she's like, don't go into those trees. <laughs> and we had the set of trees that, you know, Nicole didn't go into. And uh, yeah, it makes for a full, you know, full rounded adventure. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we got the one well, story the one and story. it was, it was quite a story. So thank yeah. you for that. Um, we know you have your, your southbound PCT hike coming up. What, what, what's the date of your departure? Uh, I think it's July 3rd. We're hoping uh, or July July 3rd. Uh, yeah, we're hoping to, we're going to hit, I mean, who knows, hopefully fingers crossed, uh, like with the forest fires, but we're hoping to get in hearts pass and then go up, take the border and then start heading south. Okay. Hey, let's take just a minute. I want to talk a little bit about your, uh, your blog slash website, the Rocky mountain scrambler. Tell us about it. I mean, if someone were to visit your, your website, what, what can they expect to find there? So on my website, uh, lots of pretty pictures. Of, uh, so some people actually buy my photography because um, I can, I mean, I'm surrounded by beautiful things. So it's, you know, you just point you're, your bound, you're bound to get lucky once in a while, exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So uh, there's the pretty pictures and then there's kind of more the adventure pictures. And those are the ones that are dear to my heart because they've just, they've got the stories behind it and mm-hmm. all those happy moments. And so um, yeah, so the pretty pictures. And then I, I, I did start um, writing my blog. I did. Um, I kept a, a, a trail journal um, throughout because I wanted to make sure that I documented. Um, can, we, can we find this story on the uh, on the blog? Yeah. So if you go to the blog, I haven't I've only done the. Why are you laughing now? This story that you just told. I mean, can we? Can we oh, can this we, one. The yeah, one the, that I just told. The one you just told. Can we can we read through that and, and, and just re-experience that with you? All the what the what's so not yet because uh I've kind of overextended myself, which is I, I tend to do that. So I've, I I want to do this the trail like the blog um with all the pictures, but I took taken like thousands of pictures. Um so uh, I think section A is up on the blog, uh so the Waterton to Coleman section. And then I've been I've been spending more time because I also took tons of video footage on uh my phone. Um and so I've been putting together YouTube videos of, uh, I was going to do just sections. That was the original goal. Um, but uh, I'm a little <laughs> heavy on the uh, trigger there. So I've got tons of footage. So um, I decided after much procrastination because of the overwhelming amount of footage I had, and I just like, I don't know where to start. I just decided to do day by day and break it down that way. And I was, became much more productive by, you know, tiny little bites so on my YouTube channel, um, Rocky Mountain Scrambler, uh, I've got them organized into episodes. So episodes like A1 through 7 and then B and then C, et cetera. So I, I'm on, I'm about halfway through C on my on my YouTube episodes. And then I will eventually get back to um, typing it all out on my blog, which I'm sure will be the day before I leave for the PCT. <laughs> and then you can start all over again. Yeah. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about being an organized person. You know, organization helps you chunk that stuff into manageable bites. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, it can get overwhelming if otherwise. Yeah. All right. Hey, Scrambles, you know where we are? Um, are we at the end? Not quite the end, but we are at that time of the episode where I ask you for your pro tip inside of the week. 
What okay. what nugget of trail wisdom do you have to share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better? So uh, this one's one that's obvious to me, but I've hiked with different people and it's not evidently obvious to other people, but to, to stop and um, like enjoy the surroundings. So one of our favorite things that we do like halfway through the day, and sometimes we decide at the beginning of the day, like this is where we're going to stop. But we stop and we, we boil up some water and we have coffee and we sit and enjoy wherever we are and usually take off our shoes, dry off our socks, spread out the tent, like have a yard sale there and just to dry everything out. And it just really helps kind of, I think with the kind of mental aspect of, um, I don't know, just stopping and actually enjoying it. And I find like, I remember like the day better when you have that, that chunk of time where you're just sitting and enjoying things. And yeah. So that's what I would say. Stop and have a coffee. Okay. Are you, are you going to be able to do that on the PCT? Are you going to feel the pressure of having to make those miles? Are you going to, you can be able to enjoy it? I, I really hope so. I think, yeah. I think that we will. And not just because both being teachers were both highly addicted to coffee and we'll need to. Um, but I, I don't know. And like, when I look at the, the miles that we have to cover and uh, I thought we did real good on the GDT. And then when I started reading people's trail report of the PCT, I was like, Oh wow. Like we're going to have to step it up a notch. But uh, any of the people that I talked to that have hiked the PCT um, when they were hiking the GDT, they said that the GDT was quite a bit more challenging. So I'm hoping that we'll find the PCT easier and be able to cover those miles, which means being able to stop and, and have a coffee and enjoy it. So yeah, I hope so. Now scrambles, this was so much fun that I want to try and pin you down on a, a zero day when you're in Wi-Fi range on the PCT, we can do a, we can do an episode from the trail. That would be awesome. What do you think? Yep. Okay. Definitely. All right. Let's do that. Okay. All right. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Scrambles. Want to thank her for joining us this week. Scrambles, I know you just mentioned it, but how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? So I'm probably most active on Instagram um, and then YouTube. I do have a photography page on Facebook too. And of course, a TikTok. Um, all Rocky Mount Scrambler and then the the website at rockymountscrambler.com is is those places there. That's where you can find me. Okay. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Do you follow me on TikTok? I need to follow you. Um, okay. I I, I never I went on TikTok because of course my kids are like, oh, you should go on TikTok. And I'm like, right. okay. And then they got really mad at me because I like right away got 17,000 followers. <laughs> And they're like, what? And like, you know, holy smoke, 17,000 like followers. Cool teacher. Um, but it's just, it takes so much time. Like, I, Instagram's kind of what, right. where I, yeah, I could do a whole episode on that. Um, so that's where I spend most of my time. But yeah, I, uh, in making my videos, I have to like, every time I upload one, I have to free a bunch of like room on my phone. And so TikTok was one of the ones that uh, got, to the camera. <laughs> so I'll eventually upload that one again and, and get back. On. Okay. All right. Uh, also, if you have comments or clips you want to share with us, you can send it to me at johnfreakymira at gmail.com. Scrambles, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, some kind of outdoor adventure media to keep our listeners connected to the trail during the off season here. Call this our adventure media recommendation. What do you have for us? 
Um, well, besides my wonderful videos, of course, um, I really like the book. It's called Blisters, but it's Bliss, like B-L-I-S-S, -S, um, by, by an author um, about the Pacific Crest Trail. I think the last name is Francis. Darn it. Sorry. Blisters. And, Blisters uh, with, with two S's. With two S's, like Bliss. Yeah. Actually, three um, S's with, you know, the third one being at the end. Oh, right. Yeah. Yes. I was like, okay. no, yeah, at the end. Um, I really enjoyed that book. Um, it just kind of spoke to me. I, I've kind of, you know, you know, when you're reading a book and you're just like, you feel like you've bonded with the author. That's how mm -hmm. I felt. With that. And then I, I love all the, um, like Quadzilla who you just had on. I've been enjoying his, of course, his southbound YouTube, um, videos and Darwin and Dixie, all the, the usual ones love their videos. Quadzilla. He's going for the, the calendar year, triple crown. Yeah. That just blows my mind. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Awesome. But crazy. crazy. Awesome. There have been more people that have walked on the moon than have done the calendar year triple crown. Wow. That's significant. Wow. Yeah. I want to do that. <laughs> you want to walk on the moon? No. Well, I would, I would, if that was offered to me, but I would rather walk on the earth. <laughs> okay. So blisters, check it out. Uh, and one more segment before we wrap things up, I've got a segment called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? Okay. Um, so. Did we miss uh, anything? I, I mean, I also broke my ankle once in, uh, I found the last piece of ice in Jasper and slipped and broke my ankle on it, uh, April, 2020. Uh, so at the fun height of COVID there. And, uh, so was terrified in April, like that's really close to hiking season. So, uh, was just super scared that I was going to have to scrap my, uh, hiking season, but, uh, managed to break it hard enough that they had to put a plate and six screws on it. So rehabbed actually pretty good. So there, there's another tip. Uh, if you ever break a bone, make sure you do it good enough so that they actually have to brace it with metal. Uh, cause you heal way quicker. And yeah, we did, um, I think 600 kilometers, um, was it all summer? We did 600 kilometers. It was, it was, it was a good summer despite my broken ankle. So, um, if you're, you know, if you was have that, an injury, was that on your fibula? Uh, it was yes. Right, right leg or left leg, left leg scrambles. I don't know how to tell you this. I also had a steel, steel plate and six screws in my left fibula from a hockey right. injury. Yes. Oh, hockey. Hockey. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, it wasn't, it's like, not like real hockey because it was in Southern California and I picked it up as an adult. You know, I was 20 years old at the time okay. as adult amateur hockey. It was a semblance of, of hockey, it, <laughs> vaguely hockey. resembling some form of hockey. But yeah, yeah, I, I broke up playing hockey. Okay. I usually leave out that whole explanation part. I just say I broke up playing hockey and, and people think that, you know, I'm kind of tough. So, oh, you're an athlete. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's a wrap from the John freaking Muir studio. Any shout outs to friends and family scrambles? Uh, well, of course, Mark, uh, the best hiking partner ever and semicolon. Uh, our, semicolon our, uh, we had a, a couple of friends this year that supported us, uh, like brought us our packages, hiked in packages twice for us, Chris and Kirsty, uh, my GDT, uh, hiking family, uh, trash pan and Nicole and, uh, Sean and just all, uh, we call it the scramble squad. I did squad. I did not come up with that. Uh, Stevie and Haley and Jonesy. Um, yeah. Love hiking with y'all. Okay. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. 
It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you and semicolon have just suffered through hours of willow bashing and hiking into the elbow of the river. The mm-hmm. trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. Thank you.